Don't you just love meeting people from like other parts of the world? It's just so cool. And to hear what God is doing all around the world is just, ah, it's just mind blowing. I love it. All right, so uh, tonight we're in part three and the last part of this series on the book of Joshua. Have y'all enjoyed it so far? Um, and the next week, we're actually starting, I, sh- I should have had the graphic up for this, but I forgot to ask them for it. Um, we're starting a brand new series next week called Situationships. So, <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So, you're going to want to be here. You're going to want to bring your friends here. You're going to want to bring your friends who might be a little bit more than a friend here. Um, This can be good. So that's next week. That's starting next week. Tonight we're still in Joshua. And uh, Joshua is a really cool story because it's a story that is true. And it's a story about a man who had a calling on his life, who actually lived his calling on his life. You know, I don't know if you know this, but you probably do. It's kind of common sense. If you've had a little bit of experience knowing some people or even just knowing yourself, it's one thing to have a calling. It's an entirely different thing to be living and walking in that calling. And Joshua was a man who did that even when everybody else around him chose not to. He said, I will not abandon my post. I will not abandon my calling. I will walk in my calling, even if it takes me 40 years just to start it. That is what Joshua went through. And so we're going to get into this a little bit more in just a second, but we're going to do something very different tonight uh, before we get into the message. So here's what I need. Everybody stand back up real quick, and I need you to find, don't, don't go yet, okay, don't go yet. I need you to find two other people around you, so three people total. If you have four, I will tap you, and you will have to leave for tonight, okay? So just three people total. And now, wait till I say go, and if you could, go ahead and put those questions up on the screen. I want you to get to know each other just a little bit and ask each other these three questions right here. What's your name, where are you from, and how'd you start coming to Fusion? Ready, set, go. If you don't have people yet, go ahead and raise your hands. Okay, everybody does. Keep going. All right, everybody, listen up real quick. Listen up. Pause, 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 pause. I forgot to give you one other bit of instruction. Uh, When you finish that, just take a seat so that I can know that you're done whenever you're finished. But you still got more time.
Y'all notice the last group standing has four people in it? Does anybody else notice? Just me? All right. All right, all right, all right. bring it back in. Was that pretty cool? It's pretty cool getting to know people a little bit? All right. Now, we're going to go a little deeper. Y'all ready? All right. It's, it's not, it's, you don't have to stand up. You can stand up if you want to. Uh, but you might be the only person. Uh, but... This isn't like a serious, heavy, like, oh my gosh, do I have to get super vulnerable type question, but I think it would be really cool if we could be honest about this next question. And uh, don't, don't give me like the, uh, don't give the person around you the generic answer, but here, here's the question. Wait till I say go. Uh, the next question, if we could put it up there, is what do you feel called to in life? Okay, don't just say, I, I, I feel called to just live today, you know, like... You know, I'm, for me, I feel called to adoption. For you, I feel called to be an artist. For you, I feel called to run my own business one day. For you, someone else, I feel called to get married soon. For, you know, whatever. Um, so some of y'all might start dropping hints in your little group of three. Uh, but go ahead, go ahead and take a little time and, 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 and share. What do you feel called to in life? Raise your hand if you'd still like more time. All right, you got it, go ahead. Raise your hand again if you still need a little more time. All right, let's take about one more minute.
All right, 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds. All right, all right, bring it back in, bring it back in, bring it back in. All right, um, did y'all hear some pretty cool stuff out there? Pretty cool stuff. Uh, I, I would love, but this part, let's not take a long time with this part. I would love it if maybe just one person from each section of the room just share, hey, this is what I feel called to in life. Uh, so if there's anybody over here who wants to raise their hand, yeah, what's up? First, what's your name? Leslie. Say it again. Leslie. Leslie. What up, bro? How you doing? <laughs> Good. What do you feel called to, man? Help people in their walk with Christ. It's good. It's good. It's good. Right here. What's your name? Say it again. Kira. Kira. Not Kiera. Kira. Yeah, Kira. Yeah. Got it. All right. What do you feel called to in life? Oh wow. So, not only wife and mother, but a counselor to people who've been through sex trafficking. It's a big deal. All right, right here. What's up? What's your name? Angelica. Angelica. How you doing? Sweet. I'm pretty good. Are those some J's? You got some J's on? Yeah. Feeling it. I like it. All right, what do you feel called to in life? Are you a teacher? Yeah. <laughs> Figures. All right, hold on, hold on. As soon as I graduated high school, I worked in a rehab facility where women and women were recovering from drug and alcohol abuse, and I worked with their kids. Um, now I serve in Vic Kids, so I really love kids. That's cool stuff. So those are only three people in the room. There's several hundreds others in the room who would say, I have a big calling. I think I kind of know what it is. Or some of you might say, I know I think maybe I have a big calling, but I have no idea what it is. Wherever you are, here's what I know. All of us kind of know, at least we should know this by now, that God has made us for something huge in life, whether we know it or not. The same was true for Joshua. He had a huge calling that seemed very impossible to so many others around him. He was to lead an entire nation that started in slavery, an entire nation living in slavery, walk with them through the wilderness for 40 years, and his ultimate calling in terms of what he was commissioned to do with leading this nation was to lead them now out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Y'all heard about that last week with Vance. So Joshua starts on this journey, and if you've read the book of Joshua, you kind of see how it goes. God's preparing him and saying, okay, there's some big stuff ahead. Moses is dead, so are all those other people who doubted you and doubted me. Now it's time for us to go and do this thing. But here's what I need you to know. Be strong and courageous. And then he says it again. Be strong and courageous. Then he says it again. Be strong and courageous. Because here's the deal. When you start walking in your calling, you need to be strong and courageous because there are a lot of things that are going to want to try and make you fearful and afraid to walk where God wants you to walk. 
One of those things was when Joshua, we talked about it two weeks ago, starts battling an army and they start getting away from him and the nation of Israel. They're they're running away. They start losing, but they're running away because they think if we can just get far enough away from Israel, then we can survive another night, regroup, come back stronger, and maybe we can win this battle. Joshua sees the enemy trying to do this. And he knows what his calling is, which is to drive these people out of the land because this is a land that God has given the nation of Israel. And he says this ridiculous prayer. Y'all remember the prayer? It goes like this, Joshua 10, 12 through 13. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. I, I kind of wonder what that was like on both sides. For the winning team, it's like, oh, snap, we got this. And for the losing team, it's like, we're running away into the night, but the night isn't coming. Why is this happening? You know, and it's, it's like God is working for the calling that he had given Joshua. Uh, God came through because God always comes through, right? But what if you make a mistake? I'm not talking about the little mistake. I'm talking about the, the major mistake. You know, the, that sin that you never thought you would do. Or that decision where you're like, that was probably the dumbest decision I've ever made in my life. Anybody ever had one of those decisions before? Yeah. When God calls you to something, he comes through for you in that something that he calls you to. But if you make bad choices along the way, does it mess up your calling? I know some of you are like, no, 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 no way, no way. Do you feel that way right after you make that dumb decision? I'll kind of give a few examples here. Um, Some of you have said in your mind, maybe not verbally, but you've said in your mind, God had a calling for me to work this kind of a career, but I didn't act right when I was younger, so I'll have to settle for that kind of career, right? Like I had a, I had a calling to be up here, but I didn't study like I should have, or I didn't make the grades like I should have, or I dropped out and everybody else was telling me not to, but I did anyway, or I went to college, I graduated college, but I learned nothing because I was drunk the whole time and partying the whole time. And because that was my foundation with education, I'll just have to settle for this kind of a career. Uh, Some of you have thought, God wants me to lead all these people closer to Jesus, but since I'm still stuck in sinful habits, maybe I'll only lead a few to him. See, at first y'all were like, yeah, God always comes through. Nothing can stand in the way of my calling, but you see some of the thoughts that we think, right? I'll give you one more, because I know this one is, is probably pretty huge for this room. God had this kind of a calling for my marriage, but I gave up sex before I got married, so I'll have to settle for that kind of marriage. God has a high calling for our lives, but what if we make a mistake? Not just a little mistake, but a huge mistake. What do you do with your calling and your life After you've made major mistakes. See, I think it's interesting when I began to read this whole sun stand still moment with Joshua. It's pretty cool if you see what happens if you rewind just a little bit. Deuteronomy 
No, wait, numbers. I get the two confused because I don't really read them a lot. And you don't either, so don't judge me. Okay? Numbers 33, 51 through 53. This was God's instruction to Moses at the time, but as you know, or you, sh- you should know if you've read the Bible, that Moses didn't get to make it to the promised land. So Joshua's hearing these instructions, and here's what God tells them. When you cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, you must, you must, this is a must, you must drive out all the people living there. You must destroy all their carved and molten images and demolish all their pagan shrines. Take possession of the land. He didn't say share it. He didn't say lease it. He didn't say rent it. He said take possession of the land and settle in it because I have given it to you to occupy. So God tells Joshua through this moment with Moses You have a calling to live in the promised land. Here's how you're going to get there. Here's the strategy. You've got to drive out everybody. This is a must. Get them all out of that land because if you don't get them all out of that land, a few of them will stick around and they'll be like a thorn in your side. They will be those people who will constantly be taking you away from the one true God and bowing down to all these false gods out there. So you've got to get them out if you're going to step into This promised land. But you know how history goes. You know how humanity goes. Usually we end up not doing things the way that God says to do things. We do them a little bit differently. And so here's where the drama picks up. Fast forward all the way to Joshua 9, 3 through 6. And by the way, I'm going to read a whole lot of Bible tonight. Are y'all okay with that? Some of you just tuned out. That's okay. It's not okay. But if you read the word, it's good for you. So I usually, like my whole message tonight is basically just going to be me reading the Bible to you. Okay? So if you're bored, I'm sorry, but I just feel like I got to do this to get the point home. Joshua 9, 3 through 6. um, There was a people named Gibeon. And here's what happens. When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho. Hey, y'all heard what Joshua did to Jericho? He and the people, they marched around like seven days. The last day, they just shouted, blew their horns, and then the walls came down, and then they attacked and conquered it. If you hear that, you're like, I don't want to mess with those guys. Gibeon heard what had happened to Jericho and Ai, which was another uh, city that, that Joshua and his people just threw down on, like Golden State and LeBron, like 4-0. and It's a sweep. It's finished. So Gibeon heard this. And they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn-out patched sandals and ragged clothes, and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, 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 however you want to say it, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we've come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. See, they knew, these people of Gibeon, they knew that Joshua and his people, they were called to drive all these other out of the promised land. Guess where Gibeon was occupying? The promised land. 
So you know what they did? They resorted to deception, and they made it look as though they had come from a really far place, so they get their moldy bread, their worn-out clothes, and you know, they kind of roll up like, oh, man, it took us so long to get here, and we hear you're really strong, and you're all about the one true God, so will you make a peace treaty with us and protect us, and we'll protect you? And uh, here's what happens next, Joshua 9, 14 through 15. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Any of y'all ever been like, I'm going to take that job. But you did not consult the Lord. I'm going to move to that city. But they did not consult the Lord. I'm going to hook up with her. But I did not consult the Lord. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety. This is my word to you. As the strongest nation in the world right now with God backing us, I guarantee that nothing will happen to you. Because he did not consult the Lord. And the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. They made a major mistake. They thought they were doing what was good. But thinking that you're doing something good does not always equate to what God actually wants you to do. It's very important that we talk with the Lord about these life decisions that we make. And sometimes not even the big life decisions, but also the small important ones as well. Or even the small seemingly unimportant ones as well. They did not consult the Lord. They, you know, if we were watching the movie, we'd see, you know, these people walking, they're packing their moldy bread and all that. And we'd be like, don't do it, Joshua. Don't do it, man. We, we, we know what kind of people they're. And some of you have those kind of people in your life. They're like, don't hook up with her. We've seen her. We saw her at the twerk party. Don't ask us why we were also at the twerk party, but we saw her there. Don't do it. So Joshua is called to the promised land. That's his calling on his life, one of his callings. And God says, hey, here's how you're going to get into your calling. I need you to drive out all these people out here because I've given you this land. Don't, 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 don't adopt their customs. Don't make treaties with them. Don't share stuff with them. They've got to be all the way gone out there. Joshua says, okay, there's some poor people out here. They're scared about the world, scared about life, whatever. They've come to us. We want to be the good guy here, so let's make a peace treaty. But they made a major mistake. They never talked to God about it. And so here's what happens next. Joshua 9, 16 through 18. Three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. The Israelites set out at once to investigate and reach their towns in three days and the names of these towns were Gibeon, Kephira, Beeroth, and Kiriath-Jerim. But the Israelites did not attack the towns, for the Israelite leaders had made a vow to, the, to them in the name of the Lord. Like, we don't do this stuff anymore, but they were saying stuff like this. I swear to God that we will not hurt you and we will protect you. That was their oath, in the name of the Lord. Now, here's where things get really interesting. Fast forward to Joshua 10, 3 through 5. There's a few kings out there who notice 
that Gibeon and Israel had made a treaty. And so one of those kings does this. So King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem, this was before Jerusalem was occupied by Israel. King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings, Hoham, yeah, of Hebron, Piram of Jarmuth, Japhia of Lachish, and Debir of Eglon. Here's what he said to them. Ignore the names if that just threw you off. Come and help me destroy Gibeon, he urged them. For they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack, and they moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. So you got these people who made a treaty with Israel. You got some onlookers that are like, yo, we may not be able to take out Israel, but we can take out Gibeon. So they all team up and start going after Gibeon. And then Joshua 9, 6 through 7 tells us what happens next. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once. Save us. Help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. So Gibeon, again, who Israel made a treaty with, is under attack. And they say, hey, Joshua, Israel, help us out. Be good to your oath that you made in the name of the Lord. What kind of a predicament does that put Joshua in? He is called to the promised land. These Gibeonites should have nothing to do with his story, but Joshua made a major mistake. So here's what we would do if we're in Joshua's shoes, and here's what we do even today. God told me to do this, but I did that, and now I'm here. If I move forward, will God be with me? So here's what happens next. Joshua 9, 8 through 13. God says some of the kindest words he could have ever said to Joshua. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will stand, will be able to stand up to you. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic And the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Haron, killing them all along the way to Azekah and Makedah. As the, yeah, you do the same thing. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haron, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekah or whatever you want to call it. Do you see what's happening here? Joshua makes a mistake, a major mistake. Gibeon's being attacked. Joshua is going to defend Gibeon. And God is saying, hey, Joshua, even though you made a mistake, don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. So they start killing the enemy. And then if killing the enemy wasn't enough, God throws the enemy into a panic. And if that wasn't enough, God starts raining down hail on the enemy to the point where more enemies were killed by that act of God than by the Israelites themselves. And then here's what happens next. 
the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. You realize if Joshua had never made that mistake, there would have never been a sun standstill moment. What kind of a God do we have who would be willing, who would be willing not to just say, okay, you can attack them and I'll let some of you live, but to give them the strength to go into battle. And then not only give them the strength to go into battle, but to be on their side and rain down hail on the enemy. And then if raining down hail on the enemy wasn't enough, he would have his ear open to the very man who made the biggest mistake in that moment where Joshua says, hey God, can you make that sun stand still so we can go and defeat them and conquer them because I have a calling on my life. That is our God. Now, before we get all crazy with this stuff, does that give us license to say, well, it just doesn't matter if I make mistakes? No, 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 no. That's not what this message is, okay? Y'all hear me? Y'all don't hear me, do you? I am not saying that God is the God who loves disobedience or that God is the God who loves it when we just go on with life and never consult him about anything. But here's what I am here to say God is the God who somehow works everything together for the good of those who love him and are called to his purposes. Maybe God wants to show us that he's still for us even when we act against him. Maybe he's a different kind of dad than all the other dads we've seen around here in the world. Oh, you've, you've blown it. It's over for you. Maybe he's the kind of God who would go to a cross for people who hate him. Maybe he's the God who would pursue us even when we were his enemies. That is the Christian story. We have a God who does not love us based on how many mistakes we do or do not make. We have a God who understands that we are a people who are constantly making mistakes. And that is the reason he came. You cannot be perfect. Therefore, I will come as the perfect son, put on skin. I will die for all your sins so you do not have to be tortured in hell. I will die and I will raise three days later. And whoever chooses to believe in me and follow me, eternal life is yours. We have a calling. We have a God who gives us this promise right here in Romans eleven twenty nine. And some of you need to like highlight this, cut this out of your Bible, stick it somewhere where you'll just read it over and over and over again. God's gifts and his call can never, ever, ever be withdrawn. So you can go ahead and fall into the deepest, darkest sin you've ever committed. His call will not be withdrawn. 
you can make some of the dumbest decisions you've ever made next week because you got one more week before you need to really be done with summer vacation. So you go to that beach and you get drunk and you have these regrets and all that kind of stuff, but God's call cannot be withdrawn. I'm not saying you should do these things, but I think too many of us have bought into the lies of the enemy that if we just make one more mistake, then our level of calling is just going to deteriorate over and over and over again. I, gave, I want to give you a few more examples. Some of you ask yourselves, what if I've been lazy and wasted my time? Well, here's, here's the truth. The calling cannot be withdrawn. What if I didn't pray about it, but now I'm here? I know some of you moved to Atlanta and you didn't even pray about it. The calling cannot be withdrawn. What if I lied and cheated to get to where I am now? The calling cannot be withdrawn. What if I'm a stripper now and I feel like there's no way out? The calling cannot be withdrawn. What if I cheated on my spouse? The calling cannot be withdrawn. What if I used to follow Jesus but now... I'm stuck in the homosexual lifestyle. The calling cannot be withdrawn. What if I'm stuck at a dead-end job? The calling cannot be withdrawn. What if my parents told me I don't have what it takes? The calling cannot be withdrawn. What if I have just made too many bad decisions in life? The calling cannot be withdrawn. It can't. It will not be withdrawn, and it cannot be withdrawn. Do not settle for a secondary calling. Too many Christians, we don't even settle for the secondary. We're like down to options 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, 20, 30. Because we have forgotten the truth which is this in Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made, the calling cannot be withdrawn. Doesn't matter how dirty you feel right now, the calling cannot be withdrawn. Doesn't matter how far you feel you are away from God, the calling cannot be withdrawn. Don't settle for a secondary calling. If God has called you to it, He'll go with you. He will. One of the things I've, for a lot of my life, had a challenge with is that one verse in the Bible where it said, Jesus said this. He said, many are called, few are chosen. What's up with that? Like, how do I get to be one of the few, you know? Many are called. There's a lot of people called out there, but only a few are chosen. Why? I believe many are called, but only a few are chosen because after a while, once we make all these mistakes, we're all called at first. Hey, class, anybody know the answer? All of us will raise our hand at first. Hey, class, anybody want to walk in your calling? Hey, hey, my people, anybody want to do great things with your life? We all raise our hand, but then we sin, so it's like, I, I don't know. 
or I make a mistake, I don't, I don't know. And at some point, there's only a few left saying, hey God, I suck just like everybody else, but will you use me still? And then he says, I choose you. I choose you. Your hand's up, I'll choose you. You're willing, I'll choose you. You believe? Without faith, it's impossible to please God, but you have faith right now. You're not looking at how dirty or dumb you've been in your past. You're looking at me and seeing how wise I can be with your your past, your present, and your future. You're keeping your hand up. You are chosen. And what the enemy's goal in life is to do is to have us put our hands down. Say, I don't want to be chosen. Or I want to be chosen, but I'm I'm just not qualified enough. Can anybody please show me where that list of qualifications is in the Bible? There's like, there's like one qualification, follow Jesus. If you do that, you live a life with calling. You are, what's the word? I think it starts with the E, eligible to live a life of calling when you follow Jesus. And so here's how we're gonna finish tonight. In just a second, not right now, the three of you, except for the group over there, which was four, you all shared what you felt called to. And here's what I know. Some of you, when you were sharing what you felt called to, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, I feel called to it, but if I'm gonna be real, real honest, half the time I actually believe it, half the time I actually don't. Some of you are, yeah, I feel called to it, but it's just way too big. Some of you, I feel called to it, but you don't know the mistakes I made like last weekend. And so what I want us to do right now is to raise our faith in the room in this really good God that we have who is able to accomplish infinitely more than we can even ask him right now or imagine with him right now. And so I want us, appreciate it, I think there was a clap going over there. (laughs) Sorry, I cut that off with my voice, but um, here's what I want us to do right now. I want you to get back, (coughs) excuse me, I want you to get back in your groups of three and pray like God is the God who still uses people who make major mistakes. Pray like God is the God who is looking in this room and spiritually speaking or metaphorically speaking, we're all the ones with our hands raised right now saying, choose me. Choose me and God, whenever I'm tempted to put my hand down, help me to put it back up. Some of you, for, for this moment right here, it might be your hands are just too heavy to lift up and the two people beside you are gonna say, no, 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 lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. Come on, you're chosen just like we are. And so I, I, I understand that we're all in different places in the room. Some of you, what, the place that you might be is, you know, all that calling stuff is cool, but I need Jesus before I need any of that. Tell the, the two people beside you and, and they will lead you in that, what it looks like to give your life to Jesus some of you, you, you might be like, hey, if I'm real, um, and I'm not saying you have to do this, but I know that some of you might want to do this, and so I'm just opening up the opportunity. Some of you might say, hey, if I'm real, I've made a whole lot of mistakes, and I just need to repent and ask God's forgiveness for them because I haven't up to this point right here. Um, but some of you are going to say, hey, you know what? Sometimes I waver on this whole calling thing, and I don't want to anymore, so will you pray for my calling and I'm going to pray for your calling and you are going to pray for her calling. That's what this moment is going to be about. So what I want you to do is just go ahead, take about five minutes or so, pray for each other, and then I'm going to come back up and then we'll dismiss. So y'all go ahead and go for it.